The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your infirmities. Who redeems your life from the grave and crowns you with mercy and loving kindness. I invite you to join me in the opening prayer in unison together. Most holy God, your son came to save sinners. We come to this season of repentance, confessing our unworthiness asking for new and honest hearts and the healing power of your forgiveness. Grant this through Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Our first scripture reading for this evening is from the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 through 19. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and compassionate, 
slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly. Gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord will be jealous for his land and take pity on his people. The Lord will reply to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. This is the word of the Lord. stand as I read from 2 Corinthians. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet, regard, yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, Beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord.
Please remain standing for the gospel lesson. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, and verses 16 through 21. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. Tonight is a time for reflection and humility, for confession and surrender. It is a night in which we begin this long journey in the season of Lent, remembering the sacrifice that Christ made for us and throwing ourselves at his feet in humble adoration. Ash Wednesday is a time to reflect upon God's love in such a way that that our gratitude leads to worship and thanksgiving because we who deserve nothing have been offered everything. I want us to ponder just to, for just a few moments tonight the words of the prophet Joel. Joel's prophecy is in response to an invasion of locusts that have destroyed the land of Israel. Everyone and everything, including uh, the worship of God in the temple, has been placed in jeopardy. Joel interprets the plague of locusts as an act of judgment by God upon his people, whose worship and lives have grown cold and, and heartless. They're going, just going through the motions of religion, but their hearts are focused on themselves rather than God, and, and their lives are focused on themselves rather than on people who are in need right around them. As you might well imagine, after this invasion of locusts, the people are in great distress. The invasion and its destruction has caused them to rethink their idol worship and, and their sins against God. In response, the leaders and the people have put their heads together to figure out how they might placate God's wrath. They've been told that God responds positively to mourning. So they tear their clothes and they put on sackcloth and they spread ashes on their heads, thinking, surely this will please God. Now, there's something right about what they're doing. One might, in the face of a devastating invasion of locusts, be tempted to give up, curse God, and believe that all hope is lost. But people do not give up. Even though they are far from God, they know enough about God to believe that there is always even just a sliver of hope. And they are not wrong. Verse 12 of chapter 2 says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. So they are doing the right thing in one sense. But the prophet adds in verse 13... 
Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing. Joel's hopeful admonition encapsulates the purpose and calling of this night and the entire season of Lent. That this is not about following a ritual, as helpful as the ritual may be. Ash Wednesday and Lent and all the days that are involved in this season are about acknowledging our sin. Our personal sin and our corporate sin. Our sin against each other and our sin against God. And praying for his promised forgiveness. Having been raised as I was in a tradition that was severely critical, much less valuing most of the church calendar, Ash Wednesday and Lent were viewed as ritualistic at best. More likely, in some ways, more harmful to our faith than helpful. These markers, like tonight, were viewed uh, with a sense of suspicion as something that really only dead, cold, unspiritual churches practiced. Some of you may have grown up in a similar kind of mindset. But I think that's because our focus was on the ritual and on the day, the sort of the rending of our garments, the exterior part of this. And we completely missed that... This has the potential to call us to something far deeper and far greater and more spiritually powerful. We might be tempted to think that Joel 2.13 is a directive to actually ignore the ritual in order to focus on the spirit behind it. But I don't think that's his point. In chapter 1 verse 13, the prophet commands, put on sackcloth, priests, and mourn. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. The prophet's point is not to ignore the ritual, but it is to allow the ritual, that which is done before God, to lead us to a change of heart about God. The intent of, of mourning, of grieving, is not to be an end in itself or a means to impelling God to do for us what we want, but a means of expressing physically what we want God to do spiritually. The physicality of mourning is only right when it is an expression of mourning in the depths of our hearts, an act of repentance for our sin and our hope that God who declares that he is merciful and gracious, will indeed forgive us and restore us. Even so, the physical ashes that are placed on our foreheads are not a ritual intended to be an end in themselves. Nor are they a means of convincing God to do what we want, but rather a means of expressing outwardly what we believe inwardly. That we acknowledge our sin against God and against one another. That we believe God is merciful and gracious and desires to forgive our sin. And that even if the circumstances of pain that have brought us to this moment, even if that continues, we will trust God and declare his goodness. It's at this point that we have a huge advantage over the people to whom Joel initially pens his prophecy. Because we live on this side of the cross. So when we come to a service such as tonight and and are confronted with the truth and the reality of our sin and wonder if God really is as merciful and and as, as gracious as we hope him to be, all we have to do is look at the cross and we know. Without a shadow of a doubt, we know, which is why Ash Wednesday is not only a time for mourning our sin, it's also a time to give thanks to God for his indescribable gift of forgiveness through our Lord Jesus Christ. We remember the words of the Apostle Paul to the Romans. You see, at just the right time, 
When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we come tonight acknowledging our sin. Acknowledging that our sin is harmful to us and to others. Acknowledging that we take our sin seriously. But also acknowledging that we believe God is good and merciful and gracious. Remembering the words of the Apostle John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. It is in this hope that we enter the season of Lent. Amen. Christians have always observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and resurrection. He became a custom of the church to prepare for Easter by a season of penitence, fasting, and prayer. The season of 40 days, actually 46, but the Sundays are, are always a celebration, so they're not technically included in, the part in Lent. The season of 40 days provided a time in which converts to the faith were prepared for baptism into the body of Christ. It's also the time when persons who had committed serious sins and had been separated from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to the fellowship of the church. The whole congregation is thus reminded of the mercy and forgiveness proclaimed in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need that we all have to begin or to renew our baptismal faith. So I invite you in the name of the Lord to observe a holy Lent by self-examination, penitence, prayer, fasting, and generous giving. And by reading and meditating upon the word of God. To make a right beginning and as a mark of our mortality, as we contemplate all that this season involves, let us bow before our Creator and Redeemer in silent prayer. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. We pray that these ashes may be to us a sign of our mortality and our penitence. So that we may remember that only by your gracious gift are we given eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. In Old Testament times, people in mourning often tore their clothes, put on sackcloth, covered themselves with ashes. It was a symbol of their sadness and often of their repentance. This practice was renewed again by the church in the Middle Ages. In the early days of the church and actually in the early days of Israel, 
symbols were very important because most people could not read. And as, as God gives symbolic uh, events, calls Israel to practice various symbolisms, so the church discovered the power of symbolism as a great tool for helping people know and experience God. And the church is, in a sense, rediscovering the power of symbol. We're realizing that in our culture, we tend to be people that rely almost completely on reason and rationale. And as important as reason and rationale are, we are continually tempted to become too rationalistic. Thinking sometimes that head knowledge is all that we need to experience God. But in reality, God has made us his whole people. And we need to experience God with every part of our being. The imposition of ashes may seem strange if you have never experienced it before. I want to be clear, it has no magical effect. But it is one more symbol of understanding and and of deepening our relationship with God, just as the sacraments of Holy Communion and baptism are symbolic means of understanding and deepening our relationship with God. And so tonight we involve ourselves in an old and yet perhaps for some of us, a new symbolism. This ritual is not done primarily for other people to see, but for our own faith. I recognize that as this may well be an unfamiliar experience, I want to to say again, as I think is mentioned in the bulletin, that this is optional for you. If, If you would like to receive the ashes, we are welcoming you to do so, but we don't want you to feel pressured into doing that. If you would like to participate, please come and kneel at the altar rail and receive the ashes. If kneeling is difficult for you, please feel free to take a seat in one of the front red chairs here and we will come to you with the ashes. After you have received the ashes, feel free to to stay here, either at the altar or in the chair, as long as you desire. And when you're finished, return to your seat and when there is an opening, then others can come. We're not going to release you by rows, but simply invite you as you feel led to come to the altar or to the chairs and to receive the ashes. May God stir up within our souls anew the acknowledgement of our own sin and of his grace as we receive this symbol of our faith in him.
may be seated. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices. Whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. According to the words of the Apostle John, if you have truly confessed your sins to Almighty God in Christ, you are forgiven. Therefore, rejoicing in the fellowship of the saints, the forgiven people of God, let us come before the Father in confident prayer. O God, our great shepherd, you tenderly gather us as lambs. And you carry us with your all-embracing love. Yet like sheep, we wander from you, following our own ways, ignoring your voice, distrusting your provisions. Forgive our stubborn rebellion. Our hardened hearts, our lack of trust. Refresh us once again by your quiet waters of mercy and restore our souls by your redeeming love. Guide our paths that we might follow you more closely 
even as we unburden our hearts to you. In this moment of silent prayer, as we remember the needs and the burdens of our lives, of those dear to us, and of this world. Most Holy Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for caring about every burden and concern and situation on our minds and those circumstances that are far beyond us. Thank you for your presence in this world. Thank you for your grace poured out upon us through your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for hearing all of our prayers. And we offer them through Christ, our Good Shepherd, and the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.
Join me in the benediction, which we will pray together. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you.